good day and welcome to episode 29 of the Omri Gaming Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Manny, and as always, I'm here with Boy Wonder himself, Steve. Ooh, the Boy Wonder. You're the Boy Wonder today. How are you today, buddy? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, It's Thursday, which, if my calculations prove correct, means it's almost Friday. But you are right on with your calculations. Okay. You are always pretty good with math, though. So that's, that's true. Not, that's not to be not as good. Not as good with days, but you know the math helps. What is a day anyway? I mean, we could we could wax philosophical about that all day. But this particular day is May seventeenth. This is the day we're recording it, and it's Norwegian Constitution Day. Yeah. Shout out to our good buddy Faze in Discord. The pictures he was sending looked like a whale of a time. Yeah. He is, he is from Norway, uh, and he keeps us abreast on all the Norwegian developments, economical and otherwise. So, yeah, happy Constitution Day to you and to all of our Norwegian friends, of which there is one. <laughs> there could be more. Who knows? There could be more. We don't know. We actually have no idea. He could be hosting, like, Norwegian podcast listening group parties. That's true. Imagine if, that. If he's not, Faze... You should host some Norwegian group podcast, podcast listening parties. Listening parties. <laughs> yeah, we'll provide the podcast. You provide the Norwegians, and we got ourselves a party. <laughs> well, folks, for today's episode, we have a lot of exciting things to talk about, just like we always do on this show. We have a new segment that we're going to bring to you, and I'm very excited about it. We did some very fun creative writing that we're going to be bringing to you in this new segment. Uh, and then today's topic of the pod is toxicity in gaming so this is something that we have all dealt with probably we've all seen it we've all heard about it um and and i'm sure most of us have sort of encountered it um so we're going to take a little bit of a dive into toxicity in different gaming communities in our community on twitch online and games we're just going to sort of talk about our experiences with it what we think we can do to combat it and yeah hopefully we'll we'll arrive at some some good healthy conclusions uh, and then we will have patch notes and community stuff just like we always do but before we get to any of that let's keep the house first up on housekeeping as always please follow us on social media we are at ombra underscore gaming on twitter and at ombra gaming on instagram we have great pictures and even better tweets so follow us on those platforms we also have a Discord server, which you should join. We have a very sizable group. I think we're around 50 great people. Um, we just made some new friends over the last couple days. We're very excited about it. Tambo is in our Discord, which I'm excited about. Uh, my next project is to get Magnum. We'll see. He needs some convincing, but I'll grease those wheels. Uh, and we would love it if you joined us as well. And you can find the invite to that Discord server on our Twitter bio. So check us out there and join our community. We would love to have you. We also have a phone number if you want to call us, leave us a message about any of your thoughts on the podcast, an article, or anything gaming-related. We would love to hear from you, unless you're a racist person, in which case don't call the following number, 347-509-5620. Again, if you're not racist, call us and share your thoughts, but if you're racist, we don't want any of your racist shit, so get out of here. Next up on Housekeeping, you can find us on twitch.tv slash ombra underscore gaming. 
we are in the process of revamping our Twitch page. So come check us out there. We have a, a newly updated schedule posted. We have all the links to the website, to the podcast, which you're currently listening to. So you probably don't need it, but you can share it with your friends and tell them to come check us out on Twitch as well. So again, you can find us on twitch.tv slash ombra underscore gaming where we stream pretty much every single day of the week. And last up on housekeeping, as always, this episode is brought to you by Insert Coin Clothing where you can look good and game better than you look. Which is tough to do when you look as good as you do when you wear clothes from Insert Coin Clothing. And if you don't wear clothes from Insert Coin Clothing, I highly recommend that you do it. All you gotta do is go to insertcoinclothing.com and find some of their rad gamer clothes. And they're actually launching a God of War line and it should be pretty dope. Oh yeah, they're definitely gonna get my money. Absolutely. And if, if you wanna give them some of your money, I got some inside baseball for you. You can give them less of your money if you use the code OMBRA18IC for an exclusive 15% off your next purchase. But that code does not apply to items that are already on sale or items that have been chopped up, placed in a burrito, sprinkled with pico de gallo, and consumed <laughs> by you. It's true. It doesn't, it doesn't count for that. It doesn't count for those kinds of deals. <laughs> so now that the house is all nice and clean... Let's get on with the show. As I stated at the beginning of the episode, we have a new segment where we deliver breaking gaming news that we made up, verified by sources that don't exist. This is the Glitch Report. So the way this segment is going to work is that Steve and I have written entirely fake, completely 100% made-up gaming news headlines, and we also have written short news pieces. So let me say again... Completely made up. None of these things are real, just for laughs. So, first item on the Glitch Report, Kojima Productions finally clarifies confusion around Death Stranding. This is big news, folks. Just hot off the presses literally minutes before we came on the air. Just a few weeks before E3, Hideo Kojima cleared the air about speculation surrounding Death Stranding during a recent interview. As it turns out, the title Death Stranding was entirely a miscommunication, and the game's actual title is Left Standing, as in Last Player Left Standing. <laughs> Kojima Productions' highly anticipated upcoming release will in fact be a Battle Royale experience in which 100 Norman Reeduses <laughs> are dropped on an alien planet and forced to battle to the death by the native alien species. Through a Japanese interpreter, Kojima was quoted as saying, I've spent the last two years of my life working with the world's best motion capture designers, level designers, and game development geniuses, and I found out that just before E3, our marketing department got the name wrong. What the actual fuck? Despite this setback, a Kojima production spokesperson stated that the game is still on track to release in spring of 2063. So it turns out that Death Stranding <laughs> is actually going to be an entirely uh, new alien battle royale game. And I'm very yeah, it excited sounds for it. like it's better than the 500 other Battle Royale games out there. Oh, yeah. The aspect of just 100 Norman Reeduses getting plopped down to a, a planet, it's, it's a fantastic. very funny image. Yeah, just really confused Norman Reeduses on an alien planet. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, Left Standing is going to be a great game. I can't wait for it. Yeah. Looking forward to it. we got to put my pre-order in for uh, 2063. Yeah, it's going to be great. Next item on the Glitch Report. What do you got, Steve? I have something. This was quite literally just came seconds ago. So I got this news seconds ago, Red Dead Redemption 2 related. Everybody's really excited about Red Dead Redemption 2. So wait till you hear these developments. Red Dead Redemption 2 will focus solely on the hunting simulator portion of the game. 
In an interview with Rockstar President Sam Hauser, we have learned that the early reports of a deep narrative and extensive multiplayer has all been a facade. Hauser said, We noticed that everyone really enjoyed shooting bears and boars in the first game, so we figured, fuck it, time to make our very own hunting simulation. When asked why the trailers have focused so much on the story of Arthur Morgan and the Vangeline gang, Hauser replied, Well, really, they're just hunting enthusiasts. I've been really surprised how everyone has interpreted those trailers as anything more than a weekend hunting trip with the guys. While this comes as a surprise to us, Hauser seems to believe he hasn't misled anyone. He closed out the interview by saying, Honestly, if you aren't interested in hunting in the Wild West, then fuck you. (laughs) Strong words from Hauser. That's really intense. What a brave direction they've decided to go in. You know, it is a brave direction, but he's right. It was a lot of fun hunting those bears and boars. That's true. He's not wrong. He's just going on a a trip with the guys, you know? There's not a lot that's more fun than hunting in the Wild West. With, yeah, with just the guys. With the the boys. Cracking a a couple cold ones with the boys, you know? Manny, it looks like you're a little distracted. Are you you getting news? I, I, just coming in off of the press here, I have a news press uh, (laughs) from the early 1900s, and I I press my own news here, and this is so hot, I have to hold it with uh, gloves. Just Cause 4 rebranded to more accurately emphasize gameplay. In the wake of recent Walmart Canada leaks, which indicated that Just Cause 4 was going to be announced sometime soon, developers at Avalanche Studios have announced that the game will be rebranded to more accurately illustrate what the game is about. A lead developer was quoted as saying, The name is going to be changed from Just Cause to Just Cause, spelled C-U-Z. Because, honestly, we're tired of coming up with reasons that a player should have to tether an oil tanker to a seaplane and fly both into a military base while backflipping out of the cockpit. (laughs) We started thinking about why the player would actually need to do that, and then eventually just started asking ourselves, why not? When faced with a slew of questions from reporters about why they thought this would be a good business idea, a spokesperson from Avalanche Studios answered all of them with, just cuz. Later adding, (laughs) later adding, why does anybody do anything in GTA Online? After hearing that answer, reporters looked at each other with blank stares, collectively agreed that it was a pretty fair point, and went home. <laughs> so it turns out that there's not going to be any story to Just Cause 4. They're sort of embracing the leak that just happened, and they're going in a bold new direction of Just Cause. I mean, I spent the majority of Just Cause 2, you know, strapped to the bottom of a helicopter while shooting a grenade launcher at oncoming traffic. And there was no reason <laughs> to that, you know? I was just having fun. It was Just Cause. It's, it's a bold new direction they're going. <laughs> It's a bold new direction. It's a bold new direction. Uh, so, so what else you got? Um, I, I heard some noise in the background. Was that a news alert? What do you got? What's the news? It's Mario related. It's big. The next Super Mario game will be based on Mario actually being a plumber. Speaking to director of Super Mario Odyssey, Shigeru Miyamoto, we have discovered that the time has finally come where we will see everyone's favorite plumber actually snake some toilets. <laughs> to be frank... <laughs> It's pretty outrageous how Mario has paraded around as a plumber all these years, all while he has never actually unclogged a toilet, said Miyamoto. While he's descended into his fair share of pipes over the years, there's no evidence that Mario has actually fixed any plumbing issues in his storied career. It's left many people wondering how he can label himself a plumber when he's never truly plumbed. Miyamoto went on to say, If we want to ensure Mario remains credible, it's time we give the gamers what they want. The next installment will focus solely on Mario answering his clients' calls to repair their plumbing woes. 
A release date has not been confirmed, but I think I speak for everyone when I say I'm excited to get elbow deep into some toilets with Mario. I'm really excited for this. Finally, Mario really living up to his true self. Well, I'm glad Miyamoto is finally doing this. I mean, that is just a bold new direction. I'm really proud of him. <laughs> it's a bold new, bold new direction. <laughs> All right, next up. On the glitch report, we have some hot, hot news. I saw some lights going off in your room. What's happening? Is that, this was like news, a, that was the news. That was the news flash. It's a literal news flash. I have flashing lights when the news flashes. Next up on the glitch report, ladies and gentlemen, EA announces that FIFA 2019 will be shipped in actual loot boxes. <laughs> <laughs> in a shocking display of sticking to their guns, EA Sports has announced that the 2019 release of famed franchise FIFA will be shipped in actual real-life loot boxes. An EA, exec- <laughs> An EA executive claimed on Twitter that it's, quote, what the kids want and that, quote, we're a scrappy team just trying to make a buck. <laughs> Got to root for the underdog. (laughs) Right. A spokesperson for EA stated that consumers will pay $60 for an actual 50-pound box with a randomized chance of the game actually being inside. (laughs) (laughs) It's not all for nothing, though, she was quoted as saying. Consumers who don't get the actual game will get some pretty cool stuff either way. Some used soccer cleats, green laces for their used soccer cleats, and maybe maybe even some FIFA bucks. (laughs) When asked what the actual chances are that the consumers have to find the game in their loot box, the EA spokesperson said, hang on, I got to take this, pretended to take a phone call, and walked away. (laughs) I got to tell you, you you, honestly, you can't fault EA. They've really changed the game on loot boxes. They're innovators. And, And for being such a small studio, I mean, like they said, they're just a scrappy team trying to get by in an oversaturated market. You know what I mean? It's It's really... It's really just a bold new direction they're going with loot boxes. Yeah, they're you know they're working out of a, a hole in the wall, coming in on Saturdays, staying yeah. late, coming in yeah, early. Man. I'm proud of them, and I'm I'm. It, it's just touching that they're that they're so in tune with what gamers want. You know, they're 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 for the gamers, and I and I can't applaud them enough for it. What do you what do you got? So uh, last item on the glitch report. Looks like a, a pretty hot, hot piece. It actually just it landed on my windowsill. They sent it by a raven. It's crazy. So secretive. So this is a big news day for our boys at Death Stranding because I also have a little bit of Death Stranding information. All right, so here we go. Guillermo del Toro and Hideo Kojima's relationship is reportedly on the rocks after creative differences. We've been told that they've hit a snafu during production on Death Stranding as Kojima apparently is not keen on del Toro's insistence that a naked fishman be a focal point of the narrative. Coming off the success of his film The Shape of Water, Del Toro is of the belief that the audience craves more naked fishmen in all forms of media. <laughs> it's obvious to me that we are in a renaissance of naked fishmen. There truly aren't enough of them in video games, so I'm here to right that wrong, said Del Toro as he painted multiple naked fishmen. Kojima doesn't share his view as he believes what games need are more creepy babies giving you a thumbs up. As you've seen, everyone who has watched the Death Stranding trailer loves Norman's baby. All I hear walking down the street is, Kojima-san, more baby thumbs, please. I'm a man of the people, so I must oblige. It's hard to say if this relationship speed bump will delay the 2037 release on the PS12 of Death Stranding, but only time will tell. I mean, he's a genius, you know, of his own craft, as is Kojima, so it makes sense that they would sort of clash uh, at, at this point. So a hot, hot news day. 
today on The Glitch Report. Ladies and gentlemen, that was The Glitch Report, where we deliver breaking gaming news, which we made up, verified by sources that don't exist. I, ha- I actually had a blast writing those news pieces. Yeah, Especially it was a really the, good time. The, 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 like, I'm seeing, I'm like imagining walking into like a, a GameStop and just she- seeing gigantic shelves with 50-pound loot boxes on each of them. <laughs> just like really inconveniencing everybody who walks in. And like you, the only way you can open it is like with an actual crowbar, which like who fucking has one? All right, so that that was the glitch report. Feeling good on a high note. Now we're gonna not really bring it down a little bit, but we're gonna talk about a, a perhaps more serious topic, which is toxicity in in games. Um, so again, you know, we don't have any of the answers, which I don't I don't think we ever claim to in these kinds of conversations. But um, what we do hope to do, especially in conversations like this. It sort of shed some light on an issue that I think all of us have faced, right? Whether it's on Twitch, whether it's on an online game, or, or in other you know gaming communities. Toxicity in gaming is something that is an issue, and I, I imagine that we've all come in contact with it. So I guess I, I always like to start the topic of the pods with uh, sort of a question. So I guess my question to you, Steve, would be like, what is a, it doesn't have to be recent, but what's like a, a case or a, an instance where you witnessed or faced or dealt with toxicity in in video games honestly like anytime you're on the mic in a call of duty lobby like there's just some real terrible people in there and honestly like i'm sure when i was a kid i probably said some stupid things on the mic too because you're just like sitting back there you don't know any of these people um but obviously as you get older you kind of change all your tastes on that type of thing because you realize hey i was being a little shithead so i shouldn't do that because now i'm older i know more um but that's why most of the time when i go into like multiplayer lobbies with stuff like that i won't plug in a mic at all and i'll like mute everybody the only time i'll even use a mic is if i'm playing with people i know and that way i can just focus on the the party chat because i don't know i feel like in a lot of those multiplayer games it just starts off as kind of like ribbing and trying to talk shit in like a playful way. And then someone will say something stupid that'll escalate it. And then all of a sudden you're just stuck in this lobby filled with just the worst type of gamers. And I, and I think it's interesting because we're at this like moment we're at this, we're not at this like one singular moment, but I feel like we're moving in the direction of games becoming more social and becoming more integrated with our personal lives and becoming more sort of like intimate with the gamers that we play with. But at the same time, that comes with like the only reason that's possible is because of advances in technology and with advances in technology come advances in online communication and with advances in online communication comes the ability to be anonymous, right? And so, like, it's a weird intersection of becoming more social and becoming more connected with people through online gameplay, but also moving in the direction of being anonymous and moving in the direction of never having to see, like, I play video games with you all the time, and really the only time I see you is when we're recording the podcast, right? Um, And so, like, online, you know, on PSN or on Steam, I can just be Jitsu202 or I can be whoever I want, and I can be an asshole and I can bring people down. But it connects to a conversation we had I want to say maybe two or three episodes ago where we talked about how the industry has grown. It was the, it was the relationships episode where we talked about how the, the industry have, has grown to open its doors to people of all walks of life and religion and sexual orientation and race and ethnicity and all that. And, and if we're going to include all these people, then we need to like take care of our communities. And, and unfortunately, like 
a lot of gaming communities are known for toxicity and they're known for immaturity. And I think we're breaking away from that stigma as a community, as gamers, as individuals, but there's <laughs> some people suck, you know, and there's still, there's still people who work to bring others down. And that's one of the things I realized by doing all this and getting more involved in like discord channels and things like that. Like the, the people that we interact with on, you know, a daily basis, and, right. you know, this is a gaming community where we haven't met most of these people in person. But we interact with them on a daily basis, and they're all so pleasant. We have just great conversations. We devolve into these outrageous hypothetical joke scenarios that, like, one person will just will just keep stacking on each other. So we found that there's plenty of awesome people out there, and they're always willing to talk to you and meet someone new as long as you're willing to do the same. You know, be courteous. You know, be polite actually ask them about their day actually try to get to know them no it's true and you know we 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 have the you know don't call us if you're racist thing and that's a, a funny laugh but it's also true like we, like this is our community and and part of the reason i enjoy what we do is because we've we've cr essentially created this community out of our out of some of our streamer friends out of our personal friends out of the people we meet on on psn or whatever and I think I speak for the whole Ember Gaming crew when I say, like, we, we really do care about the community and we do want to keep this awesome family of people, like, having a good time and having these awesome conversations and playing games together. And, you know, I'm sure someday <laughs> we're going to face some asshole who makes a comment or who, you know, slips through the cracks and get, joins our community and, and is, is awful and tries to, to say some awful shit or, or bring somebody down. At which point, you know, then action needs to be taken. And I think that's one of the biggest things is is apathy, right? Like, if we see it, we have to call it out. Um, and we have to stomp it when we when we actually encounter it. Honestly, one of my favorite things is how Alana Pierce handles it from IGN. She's sent a bunch of, like, screenshots of how she'll interact with some IGN commenter who's just, like, being a troll just to be a troll. And she just handles it with the utmost class like she'll she doesn't come firing back she'll just state her opinion again and every single time she does it they completely change tune like she'll say something mm -hmm. like all right yeah like i hear what you're saying i actually mentioned that in the video did you watch it right not like a, a sarcastic like oh if you watched it she'll just be like did you watch that part right. and then he'll be like, oh no i actually didn't and then he'll go back and watch he or she will go back and watch it and then change their tune she handles it perfectly because they're always out there, but if you just kind of call them out on it in a not a non-aggressive way, and you're just approaching it like having a conversation with them, more often than not, they'll realize they're the one in the wrong. Right. Yeah. And I think that's like a different form of of toxicity. Like I think, like let, let's actually kind of dig a little bit deeper. Like there's all these different kinds of toxicity. They all kind of result in the same shitty interactions. But I think like that's an example of like maybe a little bit of gatekeeping mixed with like a little bit of like being on his or her high horse, right? Gatekeeping is an interesting one, right? Because you have, because it essentially stems from people being like too passionate about their thing. It's like, I oh, yeah. like, like console Dark Souls. Wars. Yeah, console wars, right? Like you look at Dark Souls, right? Like that's a good example as well. Like it's a challenging game and some people get really full of themselves when they realize they've beat a challenging game and they, and they become gatekeepers and they call people out who haven't played the game exactly their way. And it's like, it becomes this us versus them thing just purely based on the things that you enjoy and the things that like you played. Right. Um, and so like, maybe that's an example of something that someone like Alana Pierce has encountered um, because she's like a journalist and because she's sort of a, a public figure. And then there's, there's just like the classic trolling. Right. I think ultimately the, the, 
I don't want to say cure, but uh, a solution, what, temporary as it may be, it's just, just, you know, they say, like, don't feed the troll, right? Like, ignore the people who are there to just, like, fucking ruin your day. I was streaming, like, way back, like, before we even started Ombra. I think it was, like, maybe last summer or something, or maybe even in the spring. And um, I forget what I was playing, but somebody joined the stream and was like, hey, what's going on? And I was like, hey, how's it going? I actually remember their Twitch name, but I, I won't put them on blast, but... And I was like, hey, what's up? How's it going? Thanks for joining the stream. And then they, I forget what specifically they said, but they just broke off into this like rant about my mom. <laughs> I had never met this person in my life. I don't, they were obviously there to get a reaction and to be like inflammatory and to be shitty and awful. And then I, I just kept playing the game. I didn't even, in, I didn't respond to what they said. And I just banned them from my, from my stream. Like obviously that person was just trying to get a reaction. And that person was trying to elicit some kind of emotional thing in me. Um, and you know, and, and I reported him or her on Twitch, right? And so, like, that's what we can do um, for, like, those kinds of sort of one-off, random, trying to ruin your day kind of folks. But, I mean, like, it can it can turn into, like, straight-up abuse. Like, we've heard stories of people who are, especially on Twitch, I mean, like, Twitch is such an interesting thing because you're putting sort of a window to your bedroom or to your gaming room and you're, and you're like, hey, look at my real face, you know, if they use a camera, look at my real face and watch me play this game. Like you're letting all these people into into your life in a very intimate way. And, uh, you know, unfortunately it happens to women way more than it does happen to men. It happens to all sorts of streamers, but people, because they're anonymous, feel like it's okay to shit on these people and to like say really, really awful things. I've seen a lot of people tweet about really shitty experiences that they've had. And nine times out of 10, everybody on Twitter will rally to that person and support them. I recently saw a tweet to Bosky Productions, with which recently shut down, because I guess a lot of people were like talking shit uh, to Cliff uh, Blazinski and the studio sort of at large. And somebody tweeted at them being like, hey, for, for every one person that shits on your work and tries to bring you down, there are hundreds of people who love what you did and love your work and support you. Um, and I think ultimately that's true for like Twitch streamers as well. Like for every one person who's shitty and tries to bring that toxicity into your stream or into your community, you have a group of people, um, or even if it's just one person watching your stream, like you have people that support you and enjoy your work. So it's good that you mentioned the whole boss key productions thing, because I saw he tweeted out like an email that got sent to him. Um, I'm imagining it was someone who, who wasn't fluent in English because the, the text was clearly like translated from another language. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he, it was just one of the nastiest emails I ever read. It was just attacking yeah. him. And then a lot of people started coming out saying like, well, you know, from things that he's said and done in the past, he kind of deserves this. And it's like, all right, well, let's see what like he actually said that he's getting a little bit of flack for is he was getting some negative press about lawbreakers and he basically just said as far as i'm concerned they can fuck off talking about the press that is in itself going to be looked at as just a completely negative comment the press has a job to do they're they're gonna say what they're gonna say about it but you know what all these guys are human they're putting their heart and soul into these games he branched off he was part of the gears of war team he branched off to open up the studio And, you know, a bunch of people joined him on the ride. So it wasn't just him. It was everybody else who was working on these games. So I can see why they would take, you know, negative comments on the press seriously. And sometimes you have a bad day and you say some of those things. But like you said, more often than not, especially in this community, from what I've realized now, is the more vocal people are the supportive people. But at the same time, I think there are, it's like that really, really vocal minority, right? 
and you know you can find them in the deep corners of uh, reddit and you can find them in the dark corners of 4chan it, it, it only goes so far to be like, when you see it, you know, when you see something, say something, right? Like, we can do that all day, but I think there's a larger responsibility for everybody who is a gamer and everybody who's part of this larger community of people who love the industry and, and care deeply about the products that we experience. I think there's a bigger responsibility on all of us that that we just need to change the rhetoric around how we treat people. And and unfortunately, I, don't, I, I think there's a point where being anonymous almost trumps all of that because... Like I've, I've gotten at least a dozen really shitty messages from people that I have beaten in Ghost Recon Wildlands or, or, uh, you know, Rocket League or whatever, like, but I, I don't know who they are. I can't talk to them. I can't change their, you know, lifestyle or anything, you know? So it's like, I, I, I'm interested to figure out like what the cure for that is like bigger picture. Honestly, I think as cliche as it sounds the whole kill them with kindness route. Like actually if they're, if they're going to try to troll you and they're going to try to get you to have a reaction, turn it back on them and just kind of converse with them because eventually they'll either tire themselves out and leave, or maybe they'll actually come to realize like, you know what? Maybe I should just stop being an asshole because I don't know this person. I just popped in on whatever, you know, Twitch on Twitter. I came across a tweet. They said, and then you'll, I feel like you'll come to realize that more people might actually realize the error in their ways when they just keep trying to be an asshole for the sake of being an asshole. And it's it's crazy how like pervasive it is in in gaming culture. I mean, we saw it with like Overwatch League players, right? Like professional gamers who are on camera, who have huge media presence, right? When they have their own personal streams, they're like shitting on each other and attacking each other, and like I forget. Um, which one it was but one guy like said a really hateful comment to another guy who is gay you know what I mean and like it's amazing that these people who are have cameras following them all over the place and have thousands of people watching them on twitch still feel the need or the the urge or what have you to say some really shitty things I mean famous youtubers do it too you know and and it's it's not enough to be like oh it was an accident it slipped like if it's in your vocabulary, it's a problem. If it's in the way you think, it's a problem. Um, and so it's like that big scale issue that I think needs to be addressed. And I think, I mean, there is work being done to address it, um, but it's it's tough because of the anonymous thing and because, you know, you get, like it's the bad that comes with the good. You know, I'm able to play video games with all these people that I've never met in real life and have a really great time. But the bad that comes with that is some of those people are really shitty and because that's the thing is we've had i feel like you and i since we've been doing all of this and since you know but more involved in just larger communities as a whole um because of course like we always played like multiplayer games before we started getting involved um with ombra and like actually doing discord and everything like that um so now that we're actually interacting with multiple people on a daily basis and you know multiple different communities as well i think we've both been very lucky that we found groups who are all into, you know, having a good time, joking around, and they never are disrespectful in any way. Um, so I think it's good because it's not like we're completely all like-minded. Like, we differ in opinion on plenty of things. We have a lot of conversations where, you know, sometimes you might end up getting into, I guess you could call it like a debate, but it's not really a debate. We always have, like, these healthy conversations where we all express our opinions and nobody attacks anybody. Everybody actually listens to each other and conversations build off of each other. So you and I have definitely been very lucky. Even going back to when we did the um, Predator stream, we had two random people who we've never interacted <laughs> yeah. with before. They it's jumped into the stream and they're like, hey, you guys need any help doing this? They joined our squad and then we killed the Predator like two rounds later. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I, I do think that we're really, really lucky to have the community that we do have and, and the support and um, just the awesome folks that we have in the Discord and listeners and, and you know, Reese calling in every week. And uh, of course, we're not always going to agree. We need to allow people to have like healthy debates and, and you know, intense conversations, but it always, always remains uh, respectful. But I, yeah, th I mean, this conversation is one that I was interested in having for a while, and I feel like it was sort of more recently inspired by some things we saw on Twitter and some things we saw online. Um, I know you, Steve, you wanted to mention uh, one of the sort of more recent cases that you saw of uh, sort of online toxicity. Yeah, and this is actually an example of what I was mentioning earlier, where if you call them out on their BS, they're going to change their tune. So this gentleman on Twitter, the handle, they call me DSP. He tweets out, those playing State of Decay 2 a full week early are paid shills. They are walking advertisements, not true gamers, and are doing so solely for a paycheck. I'll be paying for the game and playing it this Friday, just like many of you, and my reactions will be legit, as always. So basically saying that anybody who's playing State of Decay 2 early is being paid to say good things about them. And naturally, the entire games journalism community kind of rose up and was just like, we have so many articles about you know about games that we played in advance that we gave negative reviews to that's the industry that we're in that's our business that's what we do yeah it was literally like an entire industry responding to this guy yeah and so he ended up changing his tune because he realized that he was very wrong about what he was saying so it starts off where he kind of goes so the public don't like that i completely disapprove of anyone getting games early and getting early views and profit this has always been my opinion, but what I said earlier today was too broad, generalized, and I apologize. Not everyone is a shill, but those people do exist. I've deleted the overly generalized tweet to avoid any further anger. Apologies to anyone I offended. I also disagree with anyone getting advanced copies for review purposes, but professional journalists are far different from people streaming games early for profit. They are hardworking and looking to provide a legit service. My earlier deleted tweet had nothing to do with them. In general, Twitter is a bad place to try and make any kind of statement because it's too short for proper elaboration and context. I know this, and my tweet earlier today was the definition of stupid. I shouldn't have even opened Twitter on my phone during my time off. I apologize, and he included the Gordon Ramsay gif of the idiot sandwich. I would tweet further about the current subject, but it's not going to help anything nor make anyone feel better, so I'll just sign off for now with my previous apology and try to stop doing stupid shit. That's the only real way to grow and move on. I'll give him credit for at least making the effort to be like, listen, let me further explain what I said. It was obviously a stupid tweet. And at this point, like saying that Twitter is too short to make your points, like, that's like 3000 characters now. Like you, and you can just link <laughs> threads automatically. Like you can make your point as much as you want, but he at least tries to explain it further. But listen, you came out and said, everyone who's doing this is a paid shill and they're just a walking advertisement for the game. So you didn't specify you weren't talking about journalists you didn't specify you were only targeting streamers who were doing it for views and profit. But even still, if the company is letting these streamers do it, that's on them. Like, that's business. That's how it works. Like, right. you, how could you get mad we're at called them? influencers. Right. Yeah, exactly. So right, right. it's just one of those situations where, like I was talking about earlier, where if you just confront them and be like, listen, this is a bad take. It's just a really bad take because it sounds like you don't know what you're talking about. And it really sounds like you just have sour grapes that you didn't get to play it early. So I'll give him credit that he at least tried to correct his uh, his earlier mistake. Yeah, I mean, th that's a really good example of like a place where toxicity starts. There's another example. I forget who it was, but somebody tweeted at uh, Devolver Digital, who has worked on Minute, uh, which is like this indie game that's all in black and white. It, you know, it's like a, 
8-bit sort of style, very sort of minimalistic. Um, and he was essentially shitting all over the game and the work that people did saying, why would, you know, why would this game come out in 2018? And apparently this guy was an aspiring game developer as well, who is working on his own, you know, sort of independent project. And what was really baffling was that he didn't try to hide behind an anonymous image or a name or a handle or anything like that. It was his real name. He was totally out there and his, his identity wasn't like hidden at all. But he still felt the need to shit all over this project that a team worked really hard on. And a lot of people really appreciate and love and enjoy. And what's insane is that he's also trying to, to work in the industry. And so I think it's just this really bizarre move. Um, and, and unfortunately, I think Twitter gives a lot of people a soapbox, right? I don't think any, any amount of moderation is going gonna, is gonna to stop people from, from doing that. I think it just needs to be like this very sort of basic culture shift that needs to happen. And I think we're getting there. You know, I think we're moving in the right direction. But, you know, I want my son or my daughter, I don't have one, but I'm saying, you know, one day I want them to be able to play video games online with their friends and not have to deal with this toxicity. And I, I don't know what that solution looks like. I don't know what their gaming world is going to look like when they, when they get to that age, but it'll hopefully look a little bit better, you know? And it's interesting because, like, we didn't grow up with that same level of toxicity. I mean, we barely had online gaming growing up. It's still, like, a relatively new thing for me, at least. What, you know? were, what were some of your first online games? Um, Fear and... Oh, I played a, I played some uh, MMORPGs that didn't have too much in the way of, like, voice comms. So there wasn't a lot of toxicity. Um, but I played this game called Ark Lord. Uh, and it was the complete opposite, actually. I was, like, welcomed by this really awesome guild, and they gave me awesome gear and, like, weapons and shit. And so my, my first handful of online games were, like, pretty positive, actually. Um, and that came from playing couch co-ops with my friends, which was also very positive. And so, like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like toxicity in gaming, especially online, is still a relatively new thing because it comes with the relatively new advances in technology, you know? Yeah, I'd say it probably got bigger around, like, the time of 360 and PS3. For um, sure. Yeah, some of my first ones were Tony Hawk Underground. I don't think we had comms for that, but that was a, that was an awesome online game. I had such a blast playing that one. SOCOM 3, that one did have comms, but for the most part, it was all tactical, and the way it worked was you had to, like, hold L2 or something. I, forget, I think it was L2 to get the comms to turn on, and if someone else was on comms, you couldn't talk. So when you like get one person at a time sort of deal. Yeah. And so like when you were in the lobby with both teams, some you like sometimes the shitty people just wouldn't be able to get on the mic. And a lot of times if you knew you were in a lobby with a shitty person, someone would just get on the mic and hold it. So that way they couldn't get it. So a lot right. of times with SOCOM, I found there were just really helpful people too, because it was so, it was such a tactical game because the main yeah. game of that wasn't response. So you had to talk together and actually work together. So I always found that community to be relatively positive. Yeah. Um, I also appreciate, like, For Honor has, like, a pretty simple chat system where you can send, like, quick chats. People are usually like, good fight, or, like, you know, wow, that was great, or whatever. And I'm like, that's that's fair. That's fine. You know, like, give us a limited amount of communication, and then it works every time. You know what was really good as a multiplayer game was Journey. Because it had no comms, it had no chat. All it was was when you interact with people, you just help each other. Like, that's all it was. You just literally give each other a hand and help climb up hills better. Man, that game is just so beautiful. I gotta play that one again. So, yeah. I don't know. Again, we, you know, we don't have any of the solutions, but hopefully we can 
have these conversations and shed some light on some things. Uh, and, and hopefully people can relate to those conversations and hopefully continue to have better positive experiences online. If you have any thoughts or if you want to share your experiences, whether with toxicity or uh, addressing it and, and encountering it and dealing with it, let us know. We would definitely love to hear your stories. Um, you can call us at 347-509-5620. We'd love to hear your stories and, and we'll play it on, on the next episode as well. So with that, let's move on to Patch Notes. So this is Patch Notes, where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke. Patch Notes 5.17.18. Steve, what do you got for Patch Notes? So I have, this is actually such a great pivot from that conversation, because this is just such a great news story and just an awesome thing that Microsoft is doing. Um, so this is actually right from news.xbox.com. So they're basically making accessible gaming with the Xbox Adaptive Controller. This is from the article here. At Microsoft, we believe in empowering every person and every organization on the planet to achieve more. Our CEO, Satya Nadella, has spoken about how essential it is that we push the boundaries of what technology can do in a concerted effort to be inclusive of everyone around the world. These principles have the deepest impact in how we are building products that are designed for everyone. We have been on a journey of inclusive design, which celebrates and draws inspiration from people who are often overlooked in the typical design process. And so what they did is they've created this controller and they actually worked with the folks at Able Gamers to create this controller. So that way, if you suffer from any physical disabilities, you can now have a better controller to game with. We, I, we just talked about, you know, what it's like to have kind of terrible people in games and then this story just really brightened my day when I saw that. It's so cool to see a company put in so much time and effort and money, of course, to try to create something to make it so everyone can enjoy these video games. Because like you've said multiple times, we're really in that renaissance of video games. So what's great about this is now everyone is going to be able to experience these stories. I hope more companies follow suit and do the same thing because... You want to have all the options available to everybody. So I think now Microsoft has really basically put it out there, and I think you're going to see other companies like Nintendo and Sony follow suit at some point. Definitely. And that I, that video that they released is amazing. Um, they went to, I forget what which hospital, but they went to a hospital for people with uh, who suffered from spinal cord injuries or traumatic brain injuries and who had limited to no movement. And so this controller, um, you know, it's like this big white, sort of flat pad and it has um what looks like two dozen ports all around the border um and essentially you can plug in all these different peripherals and gamers can play with their wrists or their elbows or their shoulders even or their heads and it's like they and they had all these people who were suffering from injuries and had really limited movement and to like see them like laugh and and like just these huge smiles on their faces while they're playing video games like i was almost tearing up like it was the coolest fucking thing talk about inclusivity that's fucking amazing the retail price is a hundred dollars i don't know what the controllers go for in xbox i imagine they're around like 65 bucks similar to the dualshock 4 so I'm, I'm wondering why it's a little bit more i mean obviously like more manufacturing went into it more work had to go into developing this new tool um, i would like to see the price go down but i'm sure they have their reasons hopefully the price does go down but yeah so awesome i mean like that was like one of the bigger news items of the day today like everybody was tweeting about it i think it was trending on twitter for a while it's such an awesome move by uh by xbox just opening opening their doors you know so for my patch notes i have a little bit of information about a potential pokemon yellow remake Woo! for the switch 
So this is coming from, I just clicked on an ad. Uh, this is coming from Kotaku. Uh, Patricia Hernandez says, Seemingly every big Pokemon game leaks ahead of time and a new generation of entries may follow suit. Over the last few days, a series of online posts purporting knowledge of the next major Pocket Monsters game, that's weird that she called it that, uh, have <laughs> caught fire within the Pokemon community. If real, these leaks promise Pokemon games that are simultaneously familiar yet different from what fans expect. Uh, yesterday, anonymous users on 4chan uploaded what they claimed to be the names and logos of an upcoming Pokemon game called Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu Edition and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee Edition. This rumor sparked the recirculation of another 4chan thread posted in late March, in, uh, which listed a variety of features that also revolves around a Pikachu and Eevee-centric Pokemon games and suggests they might be for the Switch. So there's there's no like concrete information as of the time that we're recording this podcast but there's a whole bunch of pretty interesting leaks um and a lot of them are sort of like playing off each other which sort of point to it being legit and and there has been talk about a pokemon remake for the switch since the switch was born uh so this this logo looks actually really cool it's i mean it's it's in japanese and it says let's go and so there's essentially two different versions um which you know obviously calls back to when you know in the original red and blue and and eventually yellow you can pick your starting pokemon right and there seems to be like some kind of companion element where either pikachu or eevee um are following you around uh some people are saying that there's going to be a pokemon go type vibe to it where maybe it you know incorporates some kind of real-time travel feature we don't actually know essentially the consensus the consensus is that it's going to be based off of the gameplay and the sort of the story of yellow yellow was my favorite um i i think i my, it was not mine <laughs> i my older brother bought me blue and i beat it and then i bought myself yellow shortly after and played on his original big ass gray game uh game boy back in the day but um I would fucking love a, an old school Pokemon game. Original 150 for life. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that one. Uh, I wish it was like red or blue because Charmander is the the best starting Pokemon of all time because he eventually becomes Big Daddy Charizard. Big Daddy Char. Also, wasn't a huge fan of Pikachu just following me around the whole time. In my oh, yellow I game, it. I actually traded him to my blue game, evolved him to Raichu, and sent him back to yellow. And then not only did I have a Raichu in yellow, I don't have fucking Pikachu following me around everywhere. I enjoyed the companionship. I liked turning around and you could like check his mood and stuff that was cool um he was too moody i was like oh, god damn pikachu I, I always got like a happy dude it was probably because i would like not use him as my first pokemon oh there like, you go. i would yeah. i'd get like a powerful pokemon and be like ride the bench pikachu yeah i mean essentially after he learned thunder he was basically unstoppable but yeah no i i would be super super excited about that so i hope i hope the rumors are true it, it seems to point in the direction of of legitimate so i do hope things come together oh interesting there's a i was just reading another piece of this article and it says more recently internet sleuths discovered that websites pokemon let's go pikachu.com and pokemon let's go eevee.com were registered by csc corporate domains inc the same company that acts as a tech contract for the official pokemon sun moon website so again a lot of a lot of signs point to yes so that'd be really cool so that was patch notes 5.17.18, 5.17.18, where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke. So that was episode 29 of the Umber Gaming Podcast. If you have any thoughts that you want to share with us, feel free to give us a call, email us, tweet at us. 
you can contact us at 347-509-5620. We would love to hear from you. And if you enjoy what you're hearing and you're enjoying the podcast, it would help us a whole lot if you gave us a rating, threw a couple stars our way, let us know how we're doing, whether you listen on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it may be. If you can throw us a rating on that platform, we would appreciate it. So I hope you enjoyed the episode, and as always, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you, and we will talk to you very soon. Coming off the success of his film The Shape of Water, Del Toro is of the belief that the audience craves more naked fishmen in all <laughs> forms of media. <laughs> this is fucking great. <laughs> it's obvious to me that we are in a run. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even look at it without laughing.